to the Tag Your It podcast. I'm Ray Ray. And I'm Dave. And we are with uh, who? Ben Hopkins. That's right. So, uh, yes, we've got another interview on our uh, three-interview day uh, today. And again, we again we uh, get to be graced by Ben Hopkins, which has been on the show before. So he did a big thing a few uh, trying to think. Road 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 two road years ago? In 2017. Yeah, um, yeah on the uh, Reformation uh, in the Missouri Pathways. Um, he constantly had those articles, which were awesome. And he's been doing it again, and that's why we're here today. So he's got some more stuff he's been writing about. Um, so today we're wanting to talk about the conservative resurgence. And this is something that happened a long time ago. So we've got a fresh new batch of babies. Baby Baptist, right? Uh, you know, we need to continue talking about history, and instead of waiting for 500 years later to talk about it, let's just continue to talk about history so we can learn from it, so we can know it. Um, so I'll let Dave take the reins. And, yeah, uh, well, yeah, we are really glad if you were wondering, we did not, those of you watching on the live cast, or uh, those of you listening, we have not gotten to a new studio. Uh, if you don't hear, you know, a car go by in the background or, you know, a dog bark or oh, Adam and I son fight, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, um, if you don't hear those two screaming in the background, it's it's because we are still at the Missouri Baptist yeah. building. We're so grateful to Rob letting us have his office for the day. And we have got Ben Hawkins, Dr. Ben Hawkins. Your degree is in Church, church, church history, history. yeah, PhD theology. in church so, history and historical theology. So great person, you write. You are, are the assistant the associate editor, editor the associate for the pathway. The pathway, so. and you teach at Midwestern sometimes, uh, and sometimes, yeah, with our online program. I've been blessed to be able to do that. And so. you are frequently as seen in the for the church. Uh, blog too, right? <laughs> so I'm throwing all I'm throwing all those things in because uh, just to say that you have your hands, God has blessed you with an ability to influence people in a lot of ways, and so we're really pleasure. Yeah. It's a blessing to get to sit down with you. So thank you for this time. I'm going to make well, the most you. of it. So uh, if you don't mind, we've shared a little bit about you, but uh, tell us kind of what's been going on this year as you've celebrated the conservative resurgence, and give us kind of the background of what's been coming out as your articles. Uh, yeah, on, yeah. So. Uh, well, in the pathway, because it is the 40th year anniversary of the conservative resurgence, we decided to do, in the in the pathway newspaper, the Missouri Baptist Convention's official newspaper, we decided to do uh, this series on the conservative resurgence, this rehashing in a way, very on a surface level, on, honestly, the history of what happened and what it's all about and why did, why did we have to have a conservative resurgence. Mm. And you can find those articles um, online at nbcpathway.com slash conservative resurgence. Um, but we've done that par partly because um, if we wait till 50 years, um, 
until the 50th anniversary, many of the people who were who fought the battle will be gone. We've already seen guys over the past couple of years who have mm-hmm. who have passed away who were major players. Yeah, Fred and the Powell, most recent one didn't. Um, didn't Paige Patterson? Nope. Norman Geisler. Well, well, Norman Geisler. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Norman Geisler just passed away. Yeah, Norm, Norm Geisler. Which, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, Dave, you were you were actually mentioned him uh, in a previous phone call with me. Yeah. Um, Norm Geisler uh, just brings in the whole scope of the evangelical world into yeah. this, and, and the Chicago Statement on Inerrancy, and the work that they did, and um, that there was a bigger context for this in the evangelical world of. Um, what was going on? Yeah. Uh, and Southern Baptists were standing up alongside so many other evangelicals to defend the inerrancy of Scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but really, we wanted, you know, you know, you mentioned earlier about, you know, there's baby Baptists coming up, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and many of them do not know about the conservative resurgence. I know I, I for myself, uh, before I went to seminary down at Southwestern Seminary, I had never heard of the conservative resurgence or any of the players. I was from a small town, Southern Baptist Church, had never mm-hmm. even heard of it. Um, so, so I know that there's many young people who have no idea of the battles that have been fought for to uphold the Bible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and you know, right now the floor that we are on, we share the floor right now with a player in the. Conservative resurgence, uh, Dr. Yates, and so uh, we're just blessed as Missouri Baptists to have local access to that. So uh, those are really good things to have the background on. Let's go ahead and jump into some of these uh, what I think are hopefully effective, you know, interview questions. Um, we've talked a little bit about it, but but what is the conservative resurgence? Yeah, yeah. and let, let, let me, before I jump into that, yeah. let me say one more thing. You mentioned Dr. John Yates. Yeah, yeah. There are so many, I, I, I'm honestly blessed to be able to be talking about this because there's so many people who are so much more qualified than I am because they did live in it. Larry Lewis, um, mm-hmm. who is a, a director of missions here up in Columbia, Missouri, he he is he was a major player. He, he became the president of the North American Mission Board in 1987. Um, and, and what, I mean, if you, if you read, and let me give a shout out to James Hefley's five, six volume book, Truth in Crisis, Larry Lewis is all throughout this book. Um, James Hefley was actually, uh, um, if you want to know about what happened during the conservative resurgence, read this. James Hefley was, was um, a, a journalist, freelance journalist with Christianity Christianity Today, and he covered the whole resurgence wow. for Christianity Today, and that was back when Christianity Today was definitely a conservative magazine yeah. um, mm-hmm. with C.H. Uh, um, C.F.H. Henry and, and so forth. Um, but but he rec- later in, in the eighties uh, he started writing these little volumes. Uh, I think he wrote six of them total, just recounting the story of the of the controversy in the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, so so there's so many resources out there. There's so many living resources today mm. um, that that could speak to this. So I'm I really am honor, honored to be able to do so. Um, but but what is the conservative resurgence? Um, it comes down to basically. In the late 70s uh, and throughout the 80s, and even some into the 1990s, you, you see you see it. Um, 
it was the attempt of conservatives in the Southern Baptist Convention to, to try to restore conservative theology back to its agencies. Um, there was a twofold thing in the agencies and the seminaries. And, uh, um, Southern Baptists had noticed that there was a leftward trend in, 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 the, in these agencies, in these seminaries. Um, and so they were trying to call them back to affirmation of the belief that the Bible is truly inerrant, that it's true completely and throughout. Um, but also, it was, there, there was an aspect of it. Of, uh, there was a guy named Bill Powell. He was one of the major leaders in the conservative resurgence. And, and he said it this way. He said, the generals are running the SBC while the troops are financing it. Mm. It was a call to accountability to, you know, these agencies and seminaries had, weren't responding to the constituency of the Southern Baptist churches. And so they were trying to call them back to that, especially on this issue of the Bible. Is the Bible truly true and mm. wholly true? So, wow. Just to put it briefly. Yeah, no, great. I, I like that. So it, essentially, the conservative resurgence surmised around the idea of the Bible being inerrant. Mm -hmm. uh, so that 1978 Chicago statement was a, uh, was a, was a cannon fired into the, the mast of a, of a major ship, in other words, and was the first mm -hmm. bullet shot, I should mm -hmm. say. Um, go for it, Adam. <laughs> I was going to say, like, you know, so I, you know, I read the book Battle for the Bible. Mm -hmm. Stuff like that, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's written in that book that was going on way prior to all these things. There was that movement, and it wasn't just really in the Baptist scene. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is a, a Baptist thing, but, you know, mm -hmm. we've got to recount, like, even more of that, like, wider view. Um, you know, we had, you know, you have, the reason why you have Missouri Synod, Lutherans, mm -hmm. um, the ELCU, and, you, and you've got, like, the issues with Fuller Seminary and Union and all that. So, I mean, there was all bigger thing going on um, and from what my understanding is and you can correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong like the SBC was kind of like that last one to start going that way mm -hmm. and so this is incomes of the conservative resurgence mm -hmm. so they've seen how how the uh, the Lutherans have split over issues on, on say biblical mm -hmm. inerrancy and whatnot, and then you know, they've seen other issues and the SBC was kind of that last one and then this is kind of the point where at least the SBC kind of went, okay, we're going to go back to the to the right. Mm -hmm. Is that would that mm -hmm. be correct to say? Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. The, the SBC was kind of sheltered in a way mm -hmm. from 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 some of the major um, uh, uh, flooding of liberalism into the, you know you see some of the Northern Baptist conventions especially were just overtaken. The University of Chicago used to be a Baptist. Yeah, institution, you know, and it was just overtaken. There were some of those things overtaken by uh, liberalism, um, I and I use liberalism in a very broad yeah. sense of the term of yeah. not holding to the inerrancy of scripture. You know, yeah, not holding to to those views. Yeah, um, but but yeah. So, uh, um, but there was a slow seepage of uh, of this thinking into the commission over a hundred years period. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and people had noticed it. Over and over again throughout. Yeah, so this is why we actually had the uh, Baptist Faith and Message in 1925. 20, because yeah. they, they really didn't want to have those sort of creeds and stuff mm -hmm. like that. But then they noticed, um, like what it says in this preamble, that there was an overwhelming mm -hmm. anti-supernaturalism that they mm -hmm. had to correct at that mm -hmm. time. Yeah. And then you keep on going, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm glad you bring up 1925. You know, mm -hmm. it was, of course, that was in the context of the, you know, um, the... 
a modernist fundamentalist debate yeah. so you kind of put it on a mm-hmm. broader context you know yeah. um, and then of course in the you know in Tennessee there was a whole monkey scopes monkey trials yeah. going on with the uh, evolution and stuff like that and, and it was actually two uh, Missourians two conservative Missouri Baptists who 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 had um, proposed the that a BFM 1925b yeah. wow. and, and I, I love the words that they said was um, they they wanted to quote go on record before the world as affirming full and steadfast belief in the full inspiration inerrancy and paramount and permanent authority of both the Old Testament and the New Testament that was in 1925 mm-hmm. that was in 1925 that? wow so um, again I'm just gonna say real quick we've talked a lot about inerrancy we're big in inerrancy folks and I've actually taken a class in the seminary just on inerrancy, right? <laughs> uh, and so what you hear so often is, well, inerrancy is a modern invention. 1925, yeah, it's modern era, mm-hmm. era, but these guys believed in something. It wasn't some word they created in 1978, no. right? No, it, it, it was right there, and they're using that as a mm-hmm. precursor and as a foundational statement to bring about a historic confession yeah. and mm-hmm. that's pretty impressive uh, yeah. yeah so I mean so I mean we're talking about those broad things but you know was there kind of like a, a single what was it the inerrancy of scripture is that like the singular kind of moment that you could say would be the shot that went okay we're gonna go this way or what yeah. was that kind of a the big thing that led to this resurgence uh, that that was the big that thing. was the big thing um, but there were so many other yeah. tangential things yeah. um, there there was things about the uh, you know views on the atonement um, mm-hmm. uh, that, that were debated actually in the 80s mm-hmm. um, there there were of course a pro-life issue I mean mm-hmm. the concern one thing the conservative resurgence did was it brought Southern Baptists even made some conservatives theologically conservative Southern Baptists rethink the whole issue about abortion and, and made them come back to realize, oh, we have to, we we have, if we want to affirm the inerrancy of Scripture and the authority of Scripture, we have to support mm-hmm. affirm life, you know, the sanctity of life, even from conception, uh, things like that. Um, and there there were numerous views, but as I've interviewed different leaders of the resurgence, you know, uh, they they intentionally. Um, they intentionally focused on biblical inerrancy mm-hmm. um, huh. be, because, for one thing, that's a doctrine that anybody can understand. You know, is the Bible true? Is it is it not true? Yeah, um, any Southern Baptist could get that. When you get into the atonement and stuff like that, you know, it gets a little more convoluted, maybe on uh, on some of the nuances of doc- you know the technical stuff gets more convoluted. So. Um, I hope it's okay. Go ahead. I know Go ahead, this Dave. was not directly a question in what we put together, but yeah. you've already answered some of those, which is really mm-hmm. awesome, that our minds were just yeah, uh, <laughs> concerning why we should know what it is. But let me kind of throw you, and I hope I'm not throwing you a loop, but throw you just a little bit of a piece here. If you could give like a few major points along the line of it, like because yeah. it seems to be kind of the direction of, of a lot of your articles is like, Boom, brick, boom, brick, boom, mm-hmm. brick. These things are, are falling in place. Mm-hmm. And so would you you if you traced it back to twenty five, right? Yeah. Um, there was obviously people rejecting scripture. Mm-hmm. We see that only get worse in sixty three. Yeah. Uh, what's what is and we're, when we speak conservative resurgent, we're 
we really are speaking of what happened in the Southern Baptist Convention. Mm -hmm. Like, obviously, there was a broader, broader yeah. evangelical picture. But what was kind of, give me a little bit of a, of a, of a, a timeline. Time that, that's okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just think specifically because there's a narrative here mm -hmm. that, gosh, you could write it six volumes on it. Mm -hmm. But, like, uh, help some of our listeners, help even me, kind of get a better view yeah. of that yeah. timeline yeah. through yeah. the narrative, if that's okay. Yeah. Well, we'll kind of start off the timeline with the, how the problem began. And it begins before 1925, obviously, because mm -hmm. they're trying to clarify Southern Baptist as being for inerrancy at that time. It begins really in the 19th century as you have these, you know, have American scholars be going off to Germany mm -hmm. and learning higher criticism and stuff like that in these German schools. Um, and of course, you, uh, um, and then they come back and they have these kind of views in some shape or mold. You, you know, you, they've, uh, they've learned something from Schleiermacher. They've learned mm -hmm. something from the higher critical school of biblical scholarship and stuff Baldwin. like that. And, and they've, they've, uh, you know, sometimes they've adapted it. Sometimes they've, you know, made it their own. But but they're starting to come back. Of course, in the, like I said, in Northern Baptists and stuff like that. In other denominations, it was a lot more prevalent. The Southern Baptists, it took a little more time. But even in the 19th century, you had you had some of this. Uh, the famous stories, Crawford Toy. Um, Crawford H. Toy, who was who is he was one the one one of the first um, professors at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary was kind of a prodigy. He he was loved by the you know the leaders of the school and stuff like that. Um, and, and in fact, he was he was at one time engaged famously to to Lottie Moon, um, uh, the the Chinese missionary and. and Reportedly, she she dropped that engagement because she heard about his his leftward drift wow. um, from from scripture. Um, he uh, uh, by let, let me by 1882. And now he he had been uh, um, at Southern for for a little time at this point. But by 1882, Toy Crawford Toy published the Sunday School Guide, not for Southern Baptists, but for the Unitarian Sunday School. Mm. Wow. And of course, the Unitarians were already. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they weren't quite universalist uh, Unitarians yeah. yet. But they had already yeah. drifted far. And according to historian Gregory Wills, um, Toy had listed out so many errors, being historical errors being in Scripture, that the Unitarians balked at it. Wow. <laughs> that there were that, that there were some Unitarians who were saying they were just going to flat out leave that Sunday school yeah. board um, a, a, as a result of that. Um, wow. They, um, and, and again, it was because he had, you know, sad thing about Toy was he, in his younger years, he had been planning on going, serving in missions. And I think the Civil War interrupted it. Yeah. He had, um, he, it interrupted his plans. And, and he wasn't able to go overseas yet. And then he decided instead to go to Germany to study, and and that's where he got his his le uh, his liberal views. Um, by by the time of his death, uh, I believe he he had become Unitarian or, or um, pretty much given up most of his views. It was at Harvard University, and, and, and I think the Harvard president actually taught, called him something like the great American heretic um, uh -huh. or something like that. Um, just kind of touting, you know, that ooh, we have this 
former Southern Baptist yeah. um, professor who who is who who is um, almost making infamous, but, but at the same time they were proud of it over at Harvard. Um, so so you have that Crawford toy. You have. Um, uh, of course, we mentioned 1925 with, with all those issues. Then, in the 19 by the 1940s at Southern Seminary, you um, you had you had where anyone who rejected evolution um, couldn't be hired there. Wow! Uh, but and this again is Gregory Wills who, who noted this. He said anyone who rejected evolution would most likely be excluded from the Southern Seminary faculty. And a lot, a lot of times it was a theistic kind of evolution, but, but nevertheless, so there were problems even with the, uh, you know, the nineteen twenty five BFM. They reinterpreted it to to fit in their views when they talked about, um, you know, the matter of truth being, yeah. you know. Uh, tr having truth for its matter, uh, truth without any mixture of error for its matter, they said, oh, well, we're talking about the faith matter, the uh, theological, mm -hmm. the doctrinal matter. Um, and so they were able to really uh, massage, massage uh, the, the, the confessions along the way. And that's not the first, last time it so happened. So now either. the cooperative program is up and running. It's funding these institutions. These institutions. It's funding Southern. It's funding New mm -hmm. Orleans. Funding southwestern, uh, uh, southeastern, possibly at this point. I don't know for sure. I don't remember what it I can't was established. They but they're funding these institutions, and the people that are occupying the professorships and the presidency and the board of trustees are all theologically liberal, right? And I say that I want to say they are theologically unorthodox. Right, they they are not practicing orthodoxy. Yeah, in the yeah. Now we have going. to be careful uh, gotcha. using all. Gotcha. There you, you go. You know, there there was a you know there were some conservatives and there you know in different institutions, different seminaries were different. You mm -hmm. know, so I, I heard I talked to Tom Nettles. I believe, uh, of course, he he taught at Southwestern Seminary in the seventies. Gotcha. Um, and he and uh, L. Russ Bush wrote wrote the book Baptist in the Bible. Yeah. Right, uh, right after the shot, you know, yeah. was fired and the conservative resurgence started. Um, he said that was coincidence, actually, how that happened. But, um, but he, he, he said that, you know, you could go to Southwestern Seminary and have two totally different educa educations depending on who you took for your... Wow. You know, so there were some conservatives, some not. You know, obviously, the Southern in the 40s was a lot more, you know, there were some issues there. Um, uh, so, so, again, different places have developed differently. Um, and, and uh, you know, just in the way it developed from the 40s, it really, it's, things started to heat up in the late 50s and early 60s. You had what was called the Lexington Road Massacre, where, where 12 professors were fired from Southern for, um, for being uh, too openly liberal. They were wanting to be more adamant and honestly open and honest about their their yeah. leftward views mm -hmm. um, or un unorthodox views, um, and some of the other people wanted to kind of keep it <laughs> yeah. more under the uh, more under the under the basket um, and, and not you know uh, keep talking like conservatives but not not actually hold those views. Um, so in nineteen 
1958 that happened where these guys were fired. Unfortunately, some of them went off and just started at other seminaries and other, you know, they just ended up somewhere else in the Southern Baptist Convention. So, Um, at Midwestern in 1957, you have the message of Genesis. Well, 1957, Midwestern was founded. Okay, okay, sorry, gotcha, I got the year wrong. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What year was that then the message of Genesis comes out? I don't know why. 62, 63. Okay, The early 60s, I think, um, if if I remember correctly. Sorry, I... No, no, you may have said that. that, No, you're right about the date. um, (laughs) I I can't remember exactly the publication date, but but it was in those... uh, um, in, in the late fifties, early early sixties, I believe, is when it was published. It, it, at least that's when it really sparked the controversy yeah, yeah. with Ralph Elliott, the Midwestern yeah. uh, uh, Midwestern Seminary professor, who who ended up. Um, uh, it, it was this commentary on Genesis, and that really drew. Um, when when I've talked to guys who who lived in those days, you know, again that this was one of the mile markers for them yeah. was that the Elliott controversy and then a decade later the Broadman commentary controversy you have kind of similar things going on but Ralph Elliott had published his commentary on Genesis and in it he uh, again it, 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 he proposed higher critical types of views um, and again it was focused on uh, like in 1925 um it was focused on evolution in Genesis. With Crawford Toy, it was Genesis a lot. In 1925, it was Genesis and mm-hmm. evolution. 1963, once again, it's Genesis and and uh, um, and and what do we do with the Book of Genesis that mm-hmm. came to the kind of head of this? And, and of course, he uh, he um, just to give you an example. Um, you know. He, he said, among other errors, Eliot denied Moses' authorship of Genesis, claiming that new, numerous authors and editors had kind of put the thing together. Um, he, he also said the sixth chapter of Genesis was a, a quote, fragment of mythology um, used as a, quote, lit- literary device. The Great Flood was local, not universal. Um, Lot's wife never became a pillar of salt. Abraham was mistaken in his belief that God commanded him to sacrifice Isaac. Things like that, just throughout. Um, and, and you can go, you can get it on Google Books, I think. You can look at, uh, or maybe that's Crawford Toys that you can find on Google Books. But you can get some of these sources still today and see them. But, but some of what happened, Elliot was eventually um, let go of it at Midwestern Seminary, yeah. but not because he wrote a liberal commentary. Mm. It was because he, he wouldn't, uh, the, the trustees there had said, hey, don't, don't publish this. Don't put this revised edition out. Don't publish it. And, and he wouldn't listen to them, so they, so they let him go for that. They, they didn't, weren't so worried about what he was saying. They were just wanting to keep, keep things low-key. Mm. They were wanting to douse some of the debate. About about what was going on, hmm. um, uh, so and of course that made conservative Southern Baptists even matter that the trustees themselves, the the institutions, they weren't worried about the the liberalism in the convention. They were worried about you know just keeping a cap on it. Yeah. Um, and you know, and then it, it happened again in 1970 with the Broadman commentary debate that 
you know, here you have another Genesis commentary where, where similar things are being taught and um, the issue had clearly not been taken care of. But in the middle of that, in 1963, as a response to what was going on with Ralph Elliott, you have the 1963 Baptist Faith and Message, um, where, where they had taken, uh, basically that was formed, uh, they created this committee that was supposed to draw in all sides and stuff like that, kind of create peace in the convention. And, and they, again, they had, again, it said they, they had taken from 1925 that statement, truth without any mixture of error for its matter, that scripture has truth without any mixture of error for its matter. Um, and uh, Herschel Hobbs and some of the conservative leaders of that, Herschel Hobbs was a SBC president that yeah. year in 1963. Mm -hmm. He wanted to support, you know, uh, the conservative view of Scripture. He yeah. later admitted that, um, said that to the convention floor in, in the 80s. Um, but but um, he, you know, but it, it, again, it's one of those things where after that, people were able to massage the confession and take it however they wanted to take it. Um, that, again, that, that um, claim, tr truth without any mixture of error, became key um, in the conservative resurgence. What does that mean? Does it mean that the whole Bible is true and has no error? Or d does it just mean that the Bible is true where it's true? <laughs> Mm. That, that insofar as it's not mixed with air, it's true. Uh, um, and, and that really was a crux of the debate in, yeah. the, in the 70s and 80s. Huh. Um, and, and then, of course, they added these kind of phrases, some other phrases, to the statement on Scripture um, that, that caused some problems. They have this phrase, quote, the record of God's revelation, that Scripture is, the, quote, the record of God's revelation of himself to man. Which is really an innocent statement if yeah. you believe in biblical inerrancy. Yeah. yeah. But if you don't, then you're just saying that Scripture is one step removed from the yeah. actual true revelation. Mm -hmm. That yeah. it's just a rec simply a record, merely a record of yeah. this inerrant revelation mm -hmm. um, of God in history. And and then you have the second statement: the cry that Scripture is the cry or Jesus. The criterion, sorry, the quote, the criterion by which the Bible is to be interpreted is Jesus Christ. Um, and, of course, again, that's a great statement, right? Yeah. right? Mm -hmm. But again, yeah. like we see often today is that people oppose Jesus to God's Word. Mm -hmm. And yet, how do we know anything about Christ Jesus without Scripture? Yeah. Um, if Scripture's not in there, you know, we can't know anything about um uh, you know, we can know hardly, hardly anything about Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. so, Man, for sure. yeah. Uh, so that is a lot of good stuff. <laughs> yeah, that was, I'm, sorry, that was I lot. really appreciate that no, narrative no. to that. So you've got us to the '70s, '80s. Mm -hmm. um, what begins to happen then? I mean, it almost would seem if you are a uh, churchman or a churchwoman and you go to a Southern Baptist church and you believe in the veracity of God's Word and the inerrancy of God's Word, if you believe that uh, that Genesis really is true, uh, you hear that the young man you sent off to seminary comes back and he preaches a sermon where he said, well, we don't really know about this whole flood thing. 
Mm -hmm. uh, or he sits in a Sunday school class and argues with a Sunday school teacher, you begin to feel a little helpless. Um, what, what then? You know, mm -hmm. it's obvious that things are happening. Uh, that this denomination is turning. Mm -hmm. What, what next? Mm -hmm. The way that Jerry Vines, another one of the leaders in the one of the presidents during the SBC presidents during the conservative resurgence, but is that there there was a tune on a lot of conservative Southern Baptist hearts, in that they needed someone to come and put it to wor words to it, right? Yeah, and, and to say, okay, here's what we need to do, here's what we need to make happen, um, and, and of course, it was because of these events like the '63. Or, or Ralph Elliott and, and things like that that made the urgency of this was ramped up. Yeah. And as, as Southern Baptists started making resolutions, you know, to affirm this and that. And the, the problem was a resolution isn't binding. Yeah. Uh, uh, an agency doesn't have to do what it says. You know, it's yeah. just uh, it is what it is, and they can totally ignore it. And they they felt like conservatives felt like they were ignoring it. Yeah. Um, so you have in the 60s and 70s, you have some, some people, leaders start, starting to stand up and formulating, okay, what do we really do that's going to make a difference? Um, first, biggest one that we never hear his name very much is Bill Powell. He, he was, um, uh, uh, he, he, was, he really was a stalwart for the conservative resurgence, sacrificed greatly. I, I think he, he lost many of his own, I think, uh, you know, even financially sacrificed um, mm. for for the you know to see a change happen. Yeah, and, and um, he came up with the method of okay, here's how we fix this. Uh, basically, what they had to do was they had to get a conservative uh, president um, elected, which they had. They had plenty of times in nineteen the late 1960s, 70s, you know, yeah, guys like W.A. Criswell. Yeah. Certainly in there. Yeah. And others before that, but there, nothing was getting done even still. He, he realized, okay, you have to have this president, but you have to have one who understands what was called the point of powers of the president. Mm -hmm. that, that the Southern Baptist Convention president can't, has the prerogative to appoint what's called the Committee on Committees, yes, which appoints the Committee on Nominations, I believe, and, mm -hmm. and, and it trickles down until finally the, the trustee boards of the various agencies are appointed. Um, and then that's where they, they can pick a president who will lead the seminary in a conservative direction. Mm -hmm. And pick, pick a new president or, or give the president who was there to stay in line and then that again it sifts down to the to the faculty members and stuff like that so they realize okay if we can do that and if we can do it over a long enough period of time 10 years or more um, then things will be reshaped our commission agencies will be brought back to where most Southern Baptist churches are you know in believing the inerrancy of scripture and so so, um, Bill Powell, he, he actually started sharing this view. Uh, Larry Lewis was telling me, uh, Adrian Rogers heard, first heard about this from Bill Powell. Yeah. Larry Lewis first heard about this from Bill Powell. Um, uh, Judge Paul Pressler, I believe, um, first heard about that 
from Bill Powell. And of course, uh, more people have heard about Paul Pressler and Paige Patterson, and uh, they got together in 1967, I believe, and started talking about, okay, what can be done? And over the next decade, um, there starts to form a, a coalition or, a, or just a network of conservatives throughout the nation who say, okay, we need to do something. Um, and, and there's a lot of things happening on different levels um, yeah. working here. It wasn't just those guys, but all types of people were working. Um, so, so finally, in 1977, I think Jerry Vines was actually uh, up to be, he was a conservative running for president. He loses um, that, that year, 1979. He, uh, he thinks he's going to be nominated again as a conservative a potential president for the Southern Baptist Convention, and then W. A. Criswell during the during the uh, pastors' conference gets up and he says, "You know, we we if nothing else, we've come here to elect Adrian Rogers as president of the Southern Baptist Convention." And and the Jerry Vines is in the room and he hears he hears the crowd just roar and clap, and they were excited about this and. Um, and he realizes, oh no, we need to get Adrian Rogers to run. Only problem was Adrian Rogers didn't want it. Yeah, <laughs> he didn't want to run. He didn't want he, you know he didn't feel good about being the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. So uh, Adrian Rogers or Jerry Vines and Paige Patterson um, go to Rogers and say, Adrian, we need you. <laughs> we need you to do this because if if we're going to do this, we need a strong um, conservative who's very popular. Of course, Doctor uh, Dr. Rogers was a very popular preacher in Southern Baptist churches at the time, um, and because he just preached the word and he did it well. Yeah. Um, so, so they go go in. They they end up having a prayer meeting till I think two in the two in the morning or something on the day that the election was to be held. And finally, around that time in the wee hours of the morning, Rogers and his wife feel comfortable about, okay, this is what we need to do. And so the next day he's nominated. Um, and there's some, I think maybe five people nominated beside him, some conservatives, some liberals and stuff like that. He beats them all on the first ballot. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. and, and takes a day. Um, so and then of course he understood because of guys like Bill Powell he understood what he needed to do and he he started uh, about what year is that uh, that's 1979 so, so that would be right sort of the beginning mm -hmm. of the conservative resurgence the beginning of this turning point in the commission well, now maybe this is a little bit of an off question and no. I don't want to so what was the first of the southern baptist entities to to go conservative I mean, I have to. I have to look into it. I would just be interested. Um, I mean, because in my mind, I think of ninety three, ninety four, when Southern goes yeah. conservative, mm -hmm. and it is clear that it goes conservative when Moeller stands mm -hmm. there in front of the chapel and has been voted in just a few days before, maybe a few weeks before, and is introduced mm -hmm. to the student body. And mm -hmm. you've probably all seen that great video where. The students just lamb, you know, just, just and, yeah, yeah. Uh, hang him in effigy. Yeah, yeah. and uh, that's just, you know, he just stands there and takes it. But yeah, yeah. Uh, Southern falls to the conservatives. 
you know, in 93, that is a pretty big step. I mean, to me, that was kind of the crowning achievement mm -hmm. right there mm -hmm. uh, because others went shortly after that in my yeah. mind. Yeah. Well, you had some before that, too. Yeah. Of course, you had Larry Lewis at the Home Mission Board. Yeah. And, uh, now Nam uh, yeah. in '87. I think yeah, the, the Richard Land. I, I can't recall. I think he he started at the CLC in the '80s. Gotcha. If, if okay. I remember right, um, you have um, Dilde at Southwestern Seminary. I think he was fired in '89, '90, okay. somewhere around there. Um, so so th things have been happening. Yeah, and and it, and it took time. You know, yeah. it wasn't until the later '80s where you had, they again they had to keep this up. They had to elect mm -hmm. enough presidents over and over and over again to to would who would use their appointed powers to be able to get get things down to the level of the trustee boards, where you have the trustee boards who who okay. were. Run who were running the show and who were conservative. And so the trustees would elect a conservative president like Mueller mm -hmm. uh, or uh, Richard Lamb. Or Ken Hemphill. Ken Hemphill. Or, yeah. yeah, and they would then begin, the president of that institution would then begin to appoint professors. Mm -hmm. Firing the bad ones? Or like, how does that work? You know, uh, as, you know, well, as far as firing, the, yeah. you know, I don't know how many, I, I'd have to go back and look. I, I know there was a conversation in the 80s about, you know, you know, some, some of it wasn't a desire necessarily to fire or be mean or hateful yeah. to these guys who were on there. But, but, but it, you know, they definitely wanted to get rid of those type, types of views. Yeah. Um, but some of it was just the um, change in... You know, people saw the writing on the walls, and they left sometimes. See, my dad's and, and, and of course, at Southern, you know, you did have yeah. people that were fired, I believe. And so, um, like my father's at Midwestern, like eighty, eighty one, eighty two, mm -hmm. eighty three, right around in there. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he goes like in spring. Uh, he gets there in spring of eighty one. I don't know for sure. For spring of eighty, and he said that you know it was a mixed bag there at that mm -hmm. time too, uh, and that is. The shots have been fired. The you know I'm certain that that the president of Midwestern at that time would not have been a conservative. Mm -hmm. There wouldn't have been enough time, right? Mm -hmm. As far as because we're talking about this taking yeah, in the early 80s, this taking yeah. a long process, yeah. uh, and uh, that would have been you know how all of those it was a longer process than what we think, mm -hmm. and that's yeah. probably a big piece to remember. It didn't just happen overnight. Yeah, um, it didn't. And sometimes we can get when we. I, I think that's an important lesson for our generation because mm -hmm. we, especially conservatives in our generation, mm -hmm. who sometimes we see liberalism and we want to jump on it and whack it out, you know, kill it while it's young, you know. Um, but sometimes these things do take time, and they take patience, and they take the stamina to hold on year after year after year and work through the process. And we, I think that's something to learn. You know, you have Paige Patterson, 67, talking with Pressler. You know, it wasn't a until a decade later that the thing actually, the first shot's fired. Yeah. Um, and, and then it takes another decade after that till it's... Till, till it could be pretty much settled that the convention was going to be um, conservative. And then it was only till 
2000, when the Baptist Faith and Message 2000 really re was redrafted yeah. to affirm yeah. confessionally what had happened in the Southern Baptist Convention. And then it took even longer in, on the state levels. So yeah, well, and that yeah. brings um, us to a really important question. So how does this impact us as Missouri Baptists then? Well, you know, well, what have we seen as Missouri Baptists as far as uh, this goes? Uh, what, which Don, Don Hinkle, my editor, I yeah. believe, is going to be writing. Awesome. Adding to the series because he he has seen it firsthand some mm -hmm. of the some of the things that have happened in the state of Missouri, um, uh, but but just some of the results of it, um, it is um, uh, for one thing the Pathway newspaper. I mean it, it was born out of the conservative resurgence mm -hmm. in the state of Missouri. Mm -hmm. um, you, you, of course, the, the you know just some good news. The Missouri Baptist Convention has been in um, years and years of litigation that were birthed out that were a result of moderates in the in the state trying to pull the, our agencies again this uh, pull our agencies away from accountability to uh, to Missouri Missouri Baptist churches. Um, and, and we finally, after so many years, that that's been tied up, and we put a bow on it, and, and it's and it's been won. And, and courts have affirmed, hey, yes, the, these the, this is the way it should go. Um, again, it, it's always been about um, keeping the agencies accountable to the people and the churches, um, um, and both on the national level and on the church state level. Um, so you see those type of things. Um, um, yeah. No, that's, yeah. That, that's I mean, great. Um, that was a really interesting, you know, question to me is how we were impacted. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We've seen, you know, in my lifetime, in, in, in Adam's lifetime as Missouri Baptist, you know, I didn't become a Missouri Baptist until mm -hmm. 2003 when I showed up at Southwest Baptist University. I had no clue that just a year or so before that, Windermere had split off. I, don't, I hope yeah. I'm not getting you in any type of trouble no, if I say no. anything. I don't want to. No, no, uh, no. The word and way splits off, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, Missouri Baptist College, University splits off, you know. Uh, then you have um, the Missouri Baptist Foundation that, that leaves uh, the Missouri Baptist Children's Home. Did it, was that one? Mm. That, no, they actually stayed the with Missouri us. The Missouri Baptist Home. And then, of course, uh, William Jewell. Mm -hmm. uh, all of them just rock and roll out of here. Mm -hmm. And the Missouri Baptists are in this real problem because uh, now you have to do legal legally mm -hmm. on folks. Mm -hmm. uh, that happened from as long as I can remember being a Missouri Baptist. That's been the case. Mm -hmm. And finally, I think we're all done. Is that right? Well, we, this will be it the is first convention finished. since what year? Um, since I think to the late nineties, I think late nineties, wow. early two thousands, um, that we've had all our agencies back. Yeah. Um, um, you know, with with the foundation and the Baptist Home and the uh, um, Missouri Baptist University, and and it's great. I mean, it's something to celebrate. And and again, you know, it was the whole time. It's always been about again the keeping. These institutions connected to the churches and responsive to the churches. So, mm -hmm. so, so I mean, we've seen. So we got that. We've come full circle. We've got that back as Missouri Baptist. You know, we've seen um, how this affects 
um, you know, pretty much from, say, the 90s to now, um, where are some areas that maybe it hasn't affected? Do you see any any issues that we know we need to stay vigilant on that would be something that started back then, but we haven't really gotten firmly under control mm-hmm. um, yet today? Mm-hmm. That's um, a tough question. I yeah, I know. That is, well, that, no, that is a tough question. I don't even know if I'd be the best person yeah. to say it. I yeah. mean, I think... Uh, obviously, there's there's a good things where we ha- have seen positive results. I mean, our seminaries are are um, you know putting out conservative students, and, and and I don't know if any I don't know of any seminary prof who's um, you know who's not an anarchist. Um, that would be sad if there that were the case anywhere. Um, but uh, you know, you you mentioned just the aspect of. Um, you know, vigilance. I think that yeah. is the word you used. Yeah. Um, let, let me read read you a quote from from Fred Powell, just talking about that point in itself. Uh, from Fred Powell, he was a stalwart during the conservative resurgence, really behind the scenes type of man. Uh, he he actually died in twenty passed away in twenty seventeen, um, but was formerly a pastor here in Missouri in Excelsior Springs, Missouri. But he said this in the pathway in a story back in two thousand four. He said he said I thank God for the last twenty five years talking about the conservative renewal in the convention. Uh, but he said, but, but Bible-believing Baptists need to be diligent. Diligence is the key. The general drift for the convention will be to the left. Um, and he said, it'll, be nat- it'll naturally go yeah. leftward. Um, if, if we let down now, if we get careless, it will happen again. It's almost like a magnetic pull that we have to resist. Uh, and then he talks to our generation. This young generation coming along doesn't know the price that was paid and, or care. They don't care about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I think some of it's just ignorance. We don't know. Too, too many people are in our generation. Even seminary grad and graduates. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. Really looking in depth into what happened during the conservative resurgence, they don't know the price that was paid. Yeah, they're People living off really that part of capital, but they really just don't know the the underpinnings of like their education mm-hmm. and all that stuff that they're getting. So yeah, it's you know yeah. that's why again why we say why do we need to talk about it? Yeah, it's important yeah. because everything that uh, if you go to Midwestern or these seminaries now, everything that you're getting, all the education. All the professors that you have, mm-hmm. again, are a product. That's all a product. If you don't know, you're, you're just taking it for granted. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, it goes left again, and mm-hmm. we have to fight the struggle. So Fight the struggle yeah. again. And one thing I'd say, too, is that, um, that it, you know, we have to be diligent, especially because it's not necessarily going to look the same way it did before. Mm-hmm. That's right. You know? Liberalism or, or, or unorthodox views can look in different ways. So we need to we need to be diligent about what what is being taught in our seminaries, what's being taught in our mm-hmm. schools, what's being you know. And we need to honestly, we need to be diligent about the trust, understanding the trustee process. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes in our day day and age, um, we don't have very much respect um, for institutional types of. Organizations, you know, the you know, anytime you mention a committee, it's usually in a joke, right? Yeah. You know, a lot of young people, um, but but there's a a lot of good that can be done through those committees, or a lot of bad, mm-hmm. depending on if we're paying attention or not. 
Um, so, so we need to come to respect again that, okay, these processes were put in place for a purpose, and we need to be paying attention to what's going on. You know, mm -hmm. that, that trustees do matter, and, and that they ought to keep their trust to, uh, you know, to their institution, to the churches, um, and, and so forth. Um, and, and understand that and Southern Baptists need to be paying attention to those things and they need to show up and vote. <laughs> you know, yeah. They need to show up to the Southern Baptist Annual Meeting or the Missouri Baptist Annual Meeting and, and be a part and, and be an informed part. And not just because of theological error, but because of all sorts of financial aspects mm -hmm. of the convention. You know, we saw just a few years ago, the, you know, the IMB and financial crisis. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes I wonder myself, I, I'm no expert on what happened with that, but I wonder myself is if we had been paying closer attention as Southern Baptists, you know, it could, could would have gotten so bad, I guess. Um, again, there's a lot, a, a lot there. Diligence, vigilance is key um, for that. And, and what the future holds, um, you know, will be up to that. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, because I mean, I've, I've just seen, you know, I'm, I'm a product, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm new to the Southern Baptist life, so this is very awesome and helpful to me because I, I wasn't raised Southern Baptist. I was in the Assemblies of God, mm -hmm. and then coming to understanding theologically where I was in my study and continuing study of Scripture. Yes, I am Baptist, and whatnot. So I've like, I, I missed all this stuff. And so, you know, the past maybe five years is whenever I get into the actual Southern Baptist history mm -hmm. and trying to understand it and know it, what's gone on before me, showing up and uh, wanting to seek leadership at some level um, in a church, you know, local body or being a part. Uh, now that I'm a part of the Apologetics Network, I've, you know, I feel the responsibility. Yeah. I got to know something, right? And so, you know, I appreciate you sitting down with us today because I've learned a lot. Um, stuff that I can go to now and I hope that the listeners you know you know this is one thing that we got to understand like yes denominationalism is not a that's not a biblical word you know mm -hmm. but you do see how churches came together and we see it throughout history you know in the time of the confessions uh, during the Anglican church mm -hmm. period in England that's why you have Westminster Savoy all that stuff is churches coming together and uh, so local expressions coming together and going, we're going to unite and we're going to do something. That's all that the Southern mm -hmm. Baptist Convention is. That's what the Missouri Baptist Convention is. That's what your county uh, association is. It's just a group of churches that are trying to be of one mind as Christ called us to be, um, to do these things. So instead of just saying institution bad, because that's what the postmodern world's telling you, institution bad, we must destroy. Mm -hmm. um, go like, no, 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 no. Like, Let's not view it from that lens. Let's view it as what it, what it should be, which should be just a group of churches coming together mm -hmm. to do mission. Um, if you've done anything more than that, then repent of that and stop. But don't don't throw the baby out with the bathwater mm -hmm. and not do mission together because that's what we're called to do. Mm -hmm. And so, as somebody coming in again from because I'm totally anti-authority, mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm a punk rock mm -hmm. kid, and so like I've always had that lens um, looking at institutions. Mm -hmm. But you know, unfortunately. Our generation's lacking in the voting department, like you mm -hmm. said, so we need to go out. And so, um, you know, I would say that if we want to, like, as I, I'm kind of like on both sides. I can go, well, if the convention wants to go this way and become unorthodox, it can go blow up, and I don't care because the remnant, mm -hmm. God will always have his remnant, mm -hmm. and we'll reorganize reform at some level mm -hmm. um, in that sense. But since they are good means 
um, you know, let's go out, let's get rid of the stuff that we need to get rid of, mm -hmm. just like the conservative resurgence did. If we see anything, be vigilant, like you said, like like uh, Paul or mm -hmm. what's his name again, uh, Bill. Uh, uh, Fred Powell. Uh, Fred Powell, like, like he said, you know, be diligent. And just like he said, you know, it, it, the resurgence took time. Um, mm -hmm. So let's uh, let's uh, keep it up and just take our time and be intentional mm -hmm. with our things. But, um, man, I appreciate you yeah. sitting down because, I mean, I've learned a lot today. Brother, yeah, it's been amazing. Good, I'm you're always happy to yeah. talk glad to you Glad you told the story. Uh, so, that yeah. was a good, that's a great, a lot of people, um, younger people, you know, I'm talking about the, uh, Gen Y or I Gen type folks, mm -hmm. um, they're not going to want to read a lot of columns on this, but they can pop a podcast in mm -hmm. and uh, they can watch something on the live stream. And so you helped us create a resource, I think, mm -hmm. not to downplay any of your articles, but I think they're great. Mm -hmm. uh, but you've also just been able to get that out to the mm -hmm. next group. And of course, I love narrative yeah. and you're a great storyteller. So, yeah. Uh, and you told a great story. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's a true story. Well, that, and like I said, it's just scratching the surface yeah. and, the, and the personalities involved. Again, I want to plug this book, Truth in Crisis yeah. by James Hefflick. There's some other ones out there, but that's kind of the uh, you know, on-the-scene journalistic account of it. Yeah, I like um, that a lot. The paper, you know, you can go, it's free, right? Yeah. So you go to the Mo Baptist website, right? Or it's Missouri Pathways. NBCPathway.com. Okay, so go to that website. Slash conservative resurgence. Okay, yeah. And you'll you see all the articles on that. Yeah, or you can have it delivered recapping. to your house for free. I get, I get my copy all the time too. So just go to the website, sign up. You can have this, and so you're not you're not just getting his articles, but you're getting the mm -hmm. whole of kind of Missouri Baptist life in a nutshell, mm -hmm. in a paper too. So it's one of those things. If you want to stay constant and vigilant, uh, see what's going on, um, because you can only take so much in. So to worry about mm -hmm. your local congregation, worry about your state, and then uh, if you, if we would all take action in our local bodies and not mm -hmm. like snoop around everywhere else. Maybe something good would happen instead of just, you know, relying on somebody way too far away from you in a context you can't really help out. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, thank you again um, yeah. for your time. Um, and this so you know how awesome. we end our podcast, yeah. right? I, I don't know the, uh, the, the three words. So the yeah. day of glory. Yeah. So the day of glory. Yeah. yeah. So, so we'll we just don't here. say it that way. So you have to say Gloria, right? All right. Okay. So is that is that that fair? I mean, you we'll can do end it. with Gloria if you want. You can get solo. And I'm, gonna I'm probably going to just mouth it anyway because okay. I'm used to All it. Right. But yeah, you can you can do Gloria. But anyway, <laughs> I'm Ray Ray. I'm Dave. And Ben. Ben. And this has been the Tag Your It podcast. Soli. Deo. Gloria.